Hello, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. How are we all doing today? I hope you are doing super well. I, within the past week, had to buy about $1,000 worth of textbooks, which is super exciting. Not. Textbooks are expensive, but I'm excited for school to get started soon, so that's awesome. But yeah, I hope you're doing well. I hope things have been going well in whatever you're doing with your life. Today, like I said, um, I think in part one of last week's episode, this was suggested to me and I really didn't know anything about it like most of these scandals before I started researching them. I don't know if this person wants to be named or not, but thank you for suggesting this and if you have something that you want me to look into, please you know, send me a DM on social media or send an email, which I'll put all of that at the end. This is the case of Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney and their music rights battle, which doesn't, I mean, people have music right battles, music rights, music rights battles. Yeah, there we go. People have battles over music rights all the time, but this one, it, It seemed a little scandalous in the terms of how, yeah, we'll just get into it. (laughs) First, I'm going to introduce the two main characters. I mean, they're two huge names, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about them. You just need to know who they are. Michael Jackson is kind of this local small artist. He didn't really have that many big hits. Uh, I'm just kidding. He arguably is one of the biggest artists of all time. Many people call him the king of pop. He was born on August 29th, 1958 in Gary, Indiana. He rose to fame at a young age from performing in a a small little group with his brothers called the Jackson Five. They scored their first number one hit in 1969, and that song was I Want You Back. He released his first solo album by the time he was 14, so Michael was killing it from a young age. Even though the Jackson Five was a successful group on their own, throughout the 1970s, a lot of the attention kept honing in on Michael himself. Obviously, Jackson 5, huge group, but everyone seemed to focus right on Michael. It was mainly because of his skilled voice and just his stage presence. Like, he was he was doing everything that got him positive attention. In the 1970s, he released five solo albums in one decade, which is insane to me. But the one that really allowed his career to take off was the album titled Off the Wall. And before I forget, my sources for this first part where I'm introducing the characters comes from a history.com article and then a biography.com article. After releasing his five solo albums in the 1970s, his next album in the next decade was Thriller, released in 1983. And this album, I mean, Off the Wall was a big success for Jackson, but this album really... I think launched him to the king of pop status. It had the song Thriller on it, which if you haven't seen the music video, go watch it. It is super iconic. 
And I mean, looking back at it now, it's pretty interesting to see what they did for special effects, but it is, it's a pretty cool music video. The album itself won eight Grammys, and then his next album was the album Bad, which in my opinion and the opinion of many people, it was anything but bad. It was a great album, lots of iconic music to come out of it. In 1991, he signed a $65 million deal with Sony and later that year released, released the album Dangerous and he just had a ridiculously successful music career until his um, passing in 2009. He was and still is known as the king of pop. So that is party one in this case, Michael Jackson. Party two in this case is Paul McCartney. So his full name is James Paul McCartney and he was born on June 18th, 1942. Unfortunately, Paul McCartney lost his mother at a young age. Paul McCartney was 14 years old when his mother passed away due to complications of a mastectomy. Interestingly, um, John Lennon, he also lost his mother at a young age, which they would come together in the group known as the Beatles, but that fact about their past would create a strong bond between the two. It really has nothing to do with like the music rights battle. It was just kind of an interesting fact that I found, and that's a pretty traumatic thing to happen in your life, to lose your mother, but especially at a young age. But I guess it's cool. I mean, I don't know if cool is the right word, but it was, I'm sure, probably therapeutic for them in some way to be able to bond over that. His father, Paul McCartney's father, was a jazz pianist with a local band, and he encouraged Paul to try out multiple instruments at a young age. I don't know if anyone else had this, but when I was, it was like the end of fourth grade year, our school district started band in fifth grade. So at the end of our fourth grade year, we would go down to the music room if we wanted, and there was the band teacher down there, and they had a bunch of instruments that we could try. So I tried the trumpet, couldn't make a sound out of it, and I tried the trombone, which is like the one with the slide, if you don't, if you aren't familiar with musical instruments, and I, for not playing it, like, could play high and play low, which the professor was like, or professor, the band teacher was like, ooh, like, you should play that, so I did. Looking back, I wish I would have tried the saxophone. I know this is probably super interesting to you, but I wish I would have played the saxophone. Looking back, if I could go back and do it again, but I had a great time. Um, in band playing the trombone. So do band or encourage young people to do band because it's a great social network place and people are in there. And also maybe you could be in the Beatles. McCartney met John Lennon in 1957 and he was invited to be a member in Lennon's band. And right away, Lennon and McCartney started writing the songs for their group. Eventually, this band would become to be known as the Beatles, which everyone knows who the Beatles are. Even if you don't really know their songs, if you don't, like you can't name all four members, most people, I would say probably over the age of 12 maybe, have probably heard of the Beatles. I heard about them from a young age. They're an iconic group. The Beatles released 12 albums in eight years, and they were disbanded by 1970, which I didn't know that at all. I thought the Beatles lasted a lot longer than like 10-ish years or eight years, however long they lasted. They were not together for that long. They just put out a lot of music and a lot of iconic music in a short amount of time. After the Beatles disbanded, Paul McCartney started a solo career and he started collaborating with iconic musicians like Stevie Wonder and yes, 
Michael Jackson. So that is how these two people kind of come together. Michael Jackson is at the height of his solo career after releasing Thriller and releasing his five solo albums, and Paul McCartney is coming off of the Beatles, which is one of the most iconic groups in music of all time, and these two iconic musicians are going to come together to essentially become friends and collaborate on some music together. So a little bit about their relationship, and before I start, my sources for this section come from an article in Far Out Magazine by Taysom in 2020, and then um, different news clips that I found on YouTube of Paul McCartney talking about their friendship in just different like TV shows, which are all in the show notes. I'll link that at the end. Michael and Paul's friendship apparently started back in the 1970s when they would get together to talk business about the music industry. They were both powerful forces in the music industry, and at the time, Michael was growing from the success of Jackson 5, his solo album successes, and Paul McCartney was just full speed ahead from the Beatles, so they were killing it. Paul McCartney had offered Michael Jackson to buy the song Girlfriend for Michael's upcoming album. Even though Paul McCartney ended up releasing the song with his band, Um, called Wings. That specific music deal didn't work out. You know, Michael Jackson didn't buy it or Paul McCartney released it or whatever happened. They still started a friendship and it apparently was a pretty good friendship. Um, They helped each other professionally. It seemed like they could rely on each other. They could give each other advice. Michael Jackson, it was said that he was wanting to write music with Paul McCartney and they ended up writing two songs together. They wrote the songs Say 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 and The Girl Is Mine. And they collaborated on those songs and are both great songs. You should go listen to them. Paul McCartney said at the time they were, quote, very good friends and he was a good fellow to be around, end quote. They were not only personal friends, but they could help each other and rely on each other with stuff in the music industry. Michael asked Paul McCartney for advice just about how to be successful in the music industry. And Paul McCartney said that you needed to make good music videos. To which then after, Michael produced videos such as Thriller, which again, go watch it, it's pretty iconic. McCartney also told him that he needed to get a good manager, and he also said, quote, and you ought to think about getting into song publishing, end quote. Remember that quote, (laughs) because it's it's the pinnacle point in kind of this whole thing. At the time Paul was in music publishing, Paul said that it was really rewarding, it was a good business to be in, and for people who understood the music industry, it was pretty easy and that it was a pretty lucrative business where you could make a good amount of money. Paul, unfortunately, was not making money from the Beatles songs because he didn't own them. I'm going to talk about that later on. He didn't own the rights to the Beatles song, so he wasn't really making money off of them, but he was buying up other music or other songs from artists, such as Buddy Holly. He was buying up a lot of Buddy Holly songs, just one artist to name of the few that he was buying up. This quote is from Paul. Paul McCartney said that Michael Jackson said, quote, I'm going to get your records, you know. I'm going to get your songs. I'm going to buy your songs, end quote. Apparently, Paul McCartney was like, haha, that's funny, Michael. Like, good joke, buddy. And Michael Jackson was like, hee hee. And then he like moonwalked away. And then a couple weeks later, he said it again. Michael Jackson did. And Paul McCartney was like, oh, haha, 
Michael, you're so funny, but you're telling the same joke again. Ha ha. And then Michael Jackson was like, hee hee. And he like did his like music love thing and then Moon walked away. Paul McCartney was thinking that this was a joke, clearly. A little bit more on why Paul McCartney wasn't making money from the Beatles music. Early on, the majority of the songs from the Beatles were sold around from publisher to publisher. Paul McCartney and John Lennon apparently didn't know too much about song publishing back when they started, so they were, quote, managed into a tricky situation to where they never really had the rights to their own songs that they wrote. It seemed like they were, I don't want to say tricked, out of anything, but it just seemed like they weren't really informed about the best way to go about publishing their music, and they were managed in a way to where after the Beatles went their own ways, none of them really owned their own music. So like I said earlier, Paul McCartney had given Michael Jackson the advice to getting into music publishing because it was a good business. So Michael Jackson had bought some songs with the help of attorney John Branca, I believe is how you say his last name. These songs were songs from the 1960s that Michael Jackson was personally fond of, and so they he had just bought up the publishing rights to them. So now we go to 1984, when the publishing company ATV was for sale. This company owned over 4,000 songs at the time, and 251 of them were by the Beatles. There are, at least what I could find, there are two different stories of what happened, so I'm going to tell you both, and then I'm going to tell you what my thoughts are on which story I side with more. The common thread in the story is that there was a chance where Paul McCartney could have bought the songs. The first story is that Paul McCartney didn't want to solely own them because they were also John Lennon's songs. Paul McCartney called, called Yoko, who was Lennon's wife, and said, quote, Look, we've got a chance to buy these songs. The man's asking 20 million. 10 to you, 10 to me, should we do it? End quote. And she apparently thought that they would have been able to get them for 5 million, which I don't know the price of songs, but... All of that sounds like a lot of money to me. Eventually, the songs went for close to $50 million. This was pretty shortly after Thriller had been released, so Michael Jackson was already hugely successful, and he had all of this money coming in from Thriller, and Paul McCartney said that Michael Jackson was, quote, cash-rich baby, end quote, which, wonderful choice of words. So Michael Jackson ended up buying this catalog of songs. So that's the first story. The second story that I found is in one article, it says that McCartney turned them down because they were out of his price range. And Yoko said that she would rather have them owned by Jackson than a corporation. So either way, Michael Jackson ended up with the music rights. I personally, I believe more Paul McCartney's chain of events. One, because he was there, they're his songs, and the end result is the same, and he's not really, in the video that I watched of him talking about this going down, he's never really, like, trashing Michael Jackson. He's never like, oh, Michael Jackson's a bad person, or whatever, whatever. It was just like, Michael Jackson had a lot of money, and he bought the songs because it was the right business decision, even though maybe morally for the friendship it wasn't the right decision. But either way, that's kind of what I think, and Michael Jackson ended up with the songs. After this, Paul McCartney wasn't super happy with what had happened, because, I mean, they were their songs. McCartney apparently tried to discuss the ownership of the music with Michael Jackson after Jackson had bought the songs. 
One of the things that McCartney had an issue with was the Beatles' music starting to be in commercials. The Beatles, up until this point, their music had not been in commercials, and McCartney said about this quote, The trouble is, we never did commercials. As the Beatles, we had all of those offers. Anyone who publishes songs, you get those offers. We always turned them down because we believed it would devalue the whole thing. We'd be seen to be selling out, which we were not keen to do. We kind of felt that our fans believed in us and that we owed them some sort of integrity, end quote. So after Michael Jackson had bought these songs, they started being used in a bunch of commercials like Ford, Nike, Oreo, just to name a few. Paul said that, quote, the danger is it does devalue it, and I think even commercially, it's not that great of a decision. But anyone who knows music publishing, there's a lot of pressure on you to do that, because it's a big heap of cash, comes in suddenly, and it's very hard to resist for anybody, end quote. Basically, he's saying, even though I disagree with our music being put in to these commercials, like I understand the monetary pressure to do it because it is a lot of money. He was very opposed to the Beatles music being put into these commercials because he thought it would devalue the songs for longtime fans of the Beatles. McCartney apparently reached out to Jackson about this and Jackson's response was, quote, it's just business, Paul, end quote. As you can imagine, this was not great for their friendship. In 2001, Paul McCartney said that, quote, he won't, he won't even answer my letters, so we haven't talked and we don't have that great a relationship. The trouble is, I wrote those songs for nothing and buying them back at these phenomenal sums, I just can't do it, end quote. I think I said this in an earlier episode, but like, money kind of runs everything, which, I mean, in a capitalist society, like, I can understand that to the, to the point of how much I am, like, in favor of that. I, I don't know, but it sucks that, because I mean, it seems like they had a pretty decent friendship, but it sucks that business got in between these two. Jackson unfortunately passed away in 2009, and one would hope that the catalog of songs would have been left to Paul McCartney, and maybe if not the whole catalog of songs, maybe at least just the Beatles songs, because they were friends at one point, but that was not the case. A few years after Jackson's death, Sony slash ATV agreed to pay $750 million to buy out Jackson's stake in the company, which was about 50%. $750 million for someone's stake in the company. So, I mean, obviously we talked about at the beginning how Michael Jackson was the king of pop. He had a lot of things going on. He was successful at seemingly everything he was doing. I think that just goes to show how much or how maybe business savvy Michael Jackson was if after his death, his stake in one company was worth $750 million. That, that boggles my mind. So even though Sony slash ATV did this, they bought out Michael Jackson's stake of the company for $750 million, Paul McCartney was not gonna just sit down and let this go. In 2017, following a lawsuit in U.S. court, McCartney and Sony slash ATV reached a settlement over the copyright to the Beatles music, or sorry, the Beatles catalog under the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976. This act, quote, allows songwriters to reclaim copyrights from music publishers 35 years after they give them away, end quote. 
Details about the settlement were never publicly released, but a lawyer for McCartney said that the two sides, quote, have resolved this matter by entering into a confidential settlement agreement, end quote. And that, quote, and some of that information comes from an article by Bertram in 2020 from biography.com. And it also says that today, just the Beatles catalog alone is estimated to be worth more than one billion dollars and that's billion with a b just the beatles catalog is worth is estimated to be worth more than one billion which they are i would i think most would argue probably one of the most iconic music groups of all time one billion dollars for just their catalog that is insane to me and that concludes the case of michael jackson and paul mccartney's music rights battle my final thoughts on this are I, one, obviously it would have been nice if from the beginning, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, and the Beatles were informed more about how the music industry works in terms of music publishing. And that's not to blame them because I'm sure it's an overwhelming industry. And if you don't know, you know, the best way to handle your music rights. Obviously, people are going to take advantage of you because like we said, money kind of runs everything. But it would have been nice if they had someone there to help assist them and like manage them in a way to where after the Beatles disbanded, they had more rights to their music. And my other thoughts on this is I wish that, or I don't know if I wish, but it would have been nice if there was some way that Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney could have still been friends, or maybe they could have come to a common ground on this, or I don't know, maybe Michael Jackson could have like gave, I don't know, like gave some of the songs to Paul McCartney. I, I don't know. I don't know all of the songs that were in that purchase. So maybe the Beatles songs were like the most well-known and most profitable, but it's unfortunate that these two huge superstars had this falling out. Um, one thing I did find is that they never really had like a big blowout or anything. Um, there were some rumors that there was a big like blowout and showdown between the two and Paul McCartney was like, no, that never really happened. We had our disagreements, but we just kind of like drifted apart and kind of just stopped talking. Just to put that to rest, there really was no big showdown between Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. But yeah, that concludes that case, scandal, whatever you want to call it. And I hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to keep up with the latest, um, stay in touch on social media. I'm going to post pictures of Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, and any images I can find that kind of relate to this case. You can find us on Instagram at scandal101podcast. You can find us on Twitter at scandal101pod. On Facebook, if you search scandal101podcast, you should find our Facebook page. And if you want the show notes, you can find those at our website, scandal101podcast.podbean.com. And like I said um, earlier at the in this episode, this episode, sorry, I just hit the table. This episode was suggested by someone. So if you have a case that you want me to look into, please send it in. If there's enough to do an episode over, I'll definitely be sure to do it. That's all I have. Thank you so much for listening. And this has been episode 11 of Scandal 101.